0: Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Krista.
0: And this is our podcast.
1: Here we are, talking about Helaman chapter 6 through 12 today.
0: We're cleverly titling, maybe I cleverly titled this one,
1: all the clever things come from that.
0: <laughs> the pride cycle flat tire. And we'll explain that more of that in a second. But study tip.
1: All right. Our study tip for today comes from our friend over at Nourish the Word, an Instagram account. So that's at Nourish the Word. And he sent us a study tip and shares some more study tips on his Instagram page as well. And we like this one. He says, finding lists in the scriptures is a great way to enhance your scripture study. Whenever I find a list, I ask, why are these things included and why are they in this particular order?
0: We're going to illustrate that uh, in our study today, but it's a really easy way to get into your scriptures, to grab a pencil and to just start noting uh, lists or connections um, or orders.
1: I like these questions that he's asking. I think this if you're in a chapter or if you notice repeating words or whatever it is, I really think um, these questions are just good to, like Zach said, just to deepen our study a little bit more. So, again, look for lists or trends within your study. Thank you from Nourish the Word. Check out their page. They've got some good stuff on there.
0: Okay. in chapter 6 through 12. Before we dive in, though, I had this question and I, I posed it to you in advance, and so hopefully you've been able to think about it.
1: I'm always thinking about this stuff.
0: But um, <laughs> I one of my favorite things to do with anyone that's teenage is to make fun of the things that they're wearing and how the things that they're wearing are things that if they would have gone to school when I went to school, they would have gotten beat up for. For example, the popular thing right now is socks and sandals, right?
1: Wait a sec. Now you guys may not know this, but I'm a little bit older than Zach, and I'm a little more trendy. <laughs> I wore socks with sandals you in would, middle school. In high school, yeah, that would have been really all... bad. Just have to, just have to say that. There you go. That's how quickly trends move.
0: Um, one that is is uh, popular now is like big fluffy hair, which was you know a thing <laughs> in the '90s, right? Late ni- or early '90s, late '80s was like big poofy hair, and it's. It's back. Poofy bangs. Right?
1: Poofy bangs. Oh, and then, but when we were in high school, it was like you, if you had any bit of curl, you had to have like that very straight, mm-hmm. you know, it was all about the straightener. I remember being introduced to the straightener and I thought it had changed my life.
0: Uh, wearing the socks with the, like the socks over your leggings was a big thing in the eighties and nineties, right? The big scrunchy socks that you wore and now oh, they're, they're yeah. all their age. That's true. Um, yeah.
1: These trends are so funny. They are I love this. popped
0: collars. Was a big. It's not so much anymore. But when popped collars were a big deal, what was that like ten years ago? Um, oh, the all one... my students were popping their collars. It was like, man, that was that was such an eighties thing.
1: Well, I swear it was. That was kind of when we were in high school too. Was the popped collars? Well,
0: it was, and I I've it noticed, lasted throughout. I, I have, in fact, I'm looking at a picture right now that I that I have that shows a uh, popped collar in you know 2010, a popped collar in 1980 a popped collar in 1960, and a popped (laughs) collar in like 1860, right?
1: Okay, here's one that I really like this trend, but I cannot get Zach to do it. And I think of like, if anyone would have done this in high school, or you would have been really laughed at, speaking of popped collar, is the top button. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love the look of the top button, but if you would have told me, if I would have like, I don't know if I would have seen that when I was in high school, I would have like probably gagged because I'm like, oh, the top collar, but now the top button, that's Mm -hmm. my favorite thing now. But you guys, Zach will not do it. I've tried to get him to do it for family pictures every year. I have
0: a manly neck. I don't button my top (laughs) button and I don't wear skinny jeans because I have thighs and a neck.
1: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So
0: the point is in all of that, that's, (laughs) that's... fun. Uh, there is an element of living that is cyclical, right? We have fashion cycles; things go in and out of style. And the reason why that's always fascinated me is because I think, at least in my life, I feel, and and maybe other people can sense it in their life too, that there's a there's kind of a, a spiritual cycle or a, a, a righteousness cycle, right? There's times in our lives when, at least when I feel like I'm doing really well, uh, my my prayers are meaningful, my scripture study is on point. Um, I'm actively involved in serving and helping others. And then there's plenty of times where I feel like I'm going through kind of a trough where I just can't quite muster the, the the meaning into my prayers like I usually do or can't draw out of my scripture study what I want. Now, to some degree, I know that's just natural. Life has its ups and its downs and its busy times and its slow times, and, and I get that. But as I was thinking about it, um, and I read this verse in Helaman chapter 12, and it it kind of haunt, well, it's always haunted me, and this time it it had the same effect. This is at the end of a pretty long narrative where Helaman is just, or Mormons just recounting kind of event after event after event in a somewhat rapid fire and, and quick fashion. And he summarizes these events at the beginning of chapter 12 with a traditional Mormon phrase, and thus we can behold... This is Mormon making a point. How false and also the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men. Yea, we can see that the Lord in his great infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. But we see that at the very time when he does prosper his people, and then he gives a big list of the things that he's done to prosper them. Yea, in, fine, in doing all these things for the welfare and happiness of his people. Yea, in this time they do harden their hearts, they do forget the Lord their God, and do trample under their feet the Holy One, yea, and this because of their ease and their exceedingly great prosperity. That verse, I think, is haunting, chilling almost. And what we want to focus on today is understanding this pride cycle that Mormon's illustrating, making sure we're really clear about what pride actually is, and maybe what it isn't making sure we understand how the pride cycle works so that we can avoid it. But the most important thing we want to do is there is a way to stop the pride cycle. In your own life, there's a way to add some stability, to stay on a spiritual peak and not have to to dip into the valleys of spiritual drudgery or, or, uh, or laziness. So, that's what we want to do. We're going to define pride. We're going to examine the pride cycle, and we're going to propose a couple of things that will help us cut that pride cycle out of our lives.
1: So first, let's define what pride is. And I'm going to read from President Benson. I'm sure you've heard of this talk, the Beware of his famous Beware of Pride. He says, most of us think of pride as self-centeredness, conceit, boastfulness, arrogance, or haughtiness. All of these are elements of the sin, but the heart or core is still missing. The central feature of pride is enmity, enmity toward God and enmity toward our fellow men. Enmity means hatred toward, hostility to, or a state of opposition.
0: I looked up the the word enmity. Uh, I was unfamiliar with it. And I looked up the etymology, the, the background where it comes from. And one of the alternate translations. One of the, the definitions that stood out to me um, is rivalry, that enmity is a hatred that comes from a, a rivalry, a competition with. Uh, the root, one of the roots of enmity is the same root as the word for enemy. And if you think of an enemy, it's someone that you that you're competing with, that you're fighting against. And so in this example, you're competing with or fighting against God or competing with or fighting against someone else. There's that Rivalry.
1: I was, um, many of you might know about the podcast. Um, Jody Moore does a podcast, um, called better than happy. And she had an episode on pride and I love what she said. Basically that it's a separation of myself and God, just thinking I've got this on my own. I don't need you. You're my competition. So I'm not going to be, mm-hmm. be around you.
0: It's a dangerous sin, um, because of what it leads to. If you're familiar with the seven deadly sins that are very popular in wider Christianity, pride is listed as the most deadly of the deadly sins because it leads to all of the others. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this about pride. He said, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind again to put pit your will or your yourself against God or against others.
1: And it can be kind of every time I read that Beware of Pride talk or really study about pride, I kind of feel like, oh man, I'm doing a lot of I have a lot of I'm pride <laughs> I'm prideful. Um, but I also liked um, President Benson talks about that there's the two types of pride. Mm-hmm. there's the pride looking up and the pride from the bottom the pride from the top looking down and the bottom looking up. And I think also to think about that there's a spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. This is
1: something else that Jody Moore pointed out in her pride episode was really thinking about there's, there's this spectrum. Like, it's not like you're prideful and that's the end, but that we, and maybe that's part of our pride cycle is kind of that fluctuation that we go through. Yeah. Like what you were talking about earlier.
0: So if that's what pride is, how does pride work? Um, One of the points I think of Mormon's narrative in Helaman is to illustrate this. Pride is cyclical. And maybe that's a duh point. But if you want an interesting study that supports this cyclical nature of pride, just go through the chapter headings of Helaman chapters 1 through 10 and just make a plus or a minus in the chapter heading and note whether the things that are happening there uh, pertain to righteousness or whether they pertain to wickedness. Are the people uh, living true to God, or are they fighting against him? And you'll notice that the sign changes a lot. You go plus to minus, plus to minus. For example, in chapters one and two, I think you start at a low point. We've got Kishkumen and the Gadiat and robbers and all that, but then you get to chapter three, and they're at a high point. They remember the Lord, their God, they're doing great things. Chapter four, they're back down again. Chapter five, there's a kind of a middle ground. Um, chapter six, seven, eight, and nine are this long story with Nephi and the the murdering of the chief judge, and there's some up and down in there. Then you get to chapter 11 and Mormon ramps it up even more. And it's almost every seven or eight verses, the the people switch from wickedness to righteousness, from pride to humility. And it happens over and over and over again until he gets to chapter 12 and makes that great statement. Look how unsteady the children of men are. Look how quickly they fall into pride. So what he does in chapter 12 is Mormon will point out four stops along this pride cycle. Verse 1, point 1, is that the Lord in his infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in. So at the top of the pride cycle is that the Lord prospers and blesses us. In verse 2, he lists these, these blessings, and I love the list. If you want to stop at each point in here and just ask yourself, has God done something like this for me? It's a great exercise. For example. He doth prosper his people, yea, in the increase of their fields, their flocks and their herds, and in gold and in silver, and in all manner of precious things of every kind and art, sparing their lives, and delivering them out of the hands of their enemies, softening the hearts of their enemies that they should not declare wars against them, yea, and in fine, and I love this line, doing all things for the welfare and happiness of his people. That's his prosperity. The second stop on the pride cycle, though, is the next line. Yea, then is the time that they do harden their hearts and do forget the Lord their God. So the second point is that they they forget him. Because they're blessed, they forget him.
1: Well, we were talking about this just last yesterday. We watched a great movie that I don't know if we've seen it before. How did we not watch this I don't know how this, we're the only people that have show. never seen
0: this, but The Cinderella Man, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Not only does one of us have a huge crush on... Um, Russell Crowe.
1: He's growing on me, girl.
0: But we loved the movie because it illustrates uh, that this doesn't happen. In almost every other kind of rags-to-riches story, you know, there's that really uncomfortable part where the the guy that gets rich all of a sudden forgets, you know... His for, family. Forgets his which family. Which
1: hates, the tension. That's why you like that movie so that's much. That's why I loved it, because well, he doesn't do that. that's why it was so great. Right? Because he was not prideful. Yeah. And you don't see that very much, which... You don't see it in
0: movies very much, let alone see it in In people's lives, right? When we get successful, we tend to forget where that success came from. So that's the second stop. The third stop, because of their forgetting, uh, this is verse 3, and thus we see that except the Lord doth chasten his people with many afflictions, yea, except he doth visit them with death and with terror and with famine and with all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. Uh, A cross-reference that I really like here, because it's, um, I think so so poignant, is back in chapter four, in the middle of one of these wars, the Nephite army has gotten prideful. and this is what Mormon says about that army. This is four verse twelve. It was because of the pride of their hearts, because of their exceeding riches, because of their oppression of the poor, withholding their food, from them, dot dot, dot, verse thirteen. Because of this pride, their great wickedness, and their boastings in their own strength. They were left in their own strength. Therefore, they did not prosper. They hit this point. All throughout the war chapters, one of the hallmarks of the Nephite army under Moroni is that they always fight, quote, in the strength of the Lord. Well, here they don't have it because the Lord has removed his strength, or I would amend that and say they've removed themselves from him. He doesn't move, but we do. If we forget. Our connection to him we move away from him and are then left in our own strength to do things on our own and when we do things on our own it falls and we're chastised and we have to go through this kind of this trough of loneliness
1: President Benson points out at this point he says we can choose to humble ourselves by receiving counsel and chastisement because god will have a humble people either we can choose to be humble or we can be compelled to be humble which is essentially his chastisement right mm. and you know he quotes the scripture in alma 32 blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled to be humble and how many of us have gone through that process of why didn't i just choose to be humble mm. why do, why am i being compelled i've had a lot of moments <laughs> like that right
0: The last stop on the pride cycle, of course, is because of that chastisement, we remember God and are then brought back into his prosperity. It happens in this war after the people, after this army struggles. This is chapter 4, verse 20. It came to pass because of the greatness of the number of the Lamanites. The Nephites were in great fear. And then verse 21, they began to remember the prophecies of Alma, and they're brought back into the strength of the Lord, and they fight, and they win. So that's the pride cycle. Now, here's the thing that I think is so captivating about this idea is if you think of the pride cycle as this wheel, there is a way to stop it from rotating continually in your life. And as cheesy as it may sound, it's by giving the pride cycle a flat tire. If you can cut the pride cycle in half, you can eliminate the chastisement um, and eliminate a lot of the sadness and misery. It's almost as if in reading chapter 12, You read verse 1, or at least the second phrase in verse 1. Yea, we can see the Lord in his great infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. Then you read the first phrase in verse 2. Yea, we may see at the very time when he doth prosper his people. And maybe you throw the list in there too. But then you jump to the last two words of verse 3 that they do remember him. If your pride cycle goes from prosperity to remembering instead of to forgetting you don't go through the chastisement. You don't have to be compelled to be humble and your pride cycle becomes half of a cycle and it just goes from prosperity to remembering or from blessing to trusting.
1: And That's probably why it gets so hard, right? That's what we're told so many times in the Mm -hmm. scriptures. Remember, remember. And How do you do it? We are human and we forget a lot, but I love that thought of just erasing a couple of those steps um, from your own cycle just by remembering.
0: So we've got three points on how you can remember and how you can cut this pride cycle in half. And the obvious one, of course, is of course to be humble. I've mused a little bit that pride and humility aren't things you do, they're outcomes from what you do. So you're not necessarily prideful, maybe you're selfish, which leads to pride, or you're rebellious, which leads to pride. In the same way that I don't know if you can truly make yourself be humble, wake up today and say, I'm going to be really humble today. In fact, there's this, we referenced screw tape letters last week, but there's this great line in the screw tape letters where screw tape counsels that if the subject, the person they're trying to tempt becomes humble, All the devil has to do is point out to the subject his own humility so that he wakes up in the morning and says, hey, you know what? I'm being pretty humble. So I don't know if we can actually be humble, but I think these three things, among many others that you'll find in your own study, are actions we can do that might yield us humility. At least they're things that will help us remember the Lord um, so that we can live in his prosperity.
1: I think that's an important, and I hadn't thought of that till you explained it that way, but I think that's an important part of this is maybe not just saying I'm going to be humble or I'm not going to be prideful. Thinking of those as kind of steps, Mm -hmm. like we're trying to get there yet. It's not really something you can necessarily do because I think then we have, like, like he said, we have a few ideas. Obviously there's a lot and who knows what, how, where you are at on the spectrum of pride in your life right now, but. I think there's always ideas. I, I'm kind of wishing the question that we posed to ourselves was, how do we work against it? How do we not become prideful? And I wish we were in a room where we could hear ideas would be together a great discussion because this is one of those things that would be a really fun to hear everyone else's idea. The first point I thought of is gratitude. And this comes from an elder Uchdorf talk where he talks about recognizing where your greatness comes from. That it's okay for you to be great. And you remembered the quote. I didn't look it up.
0: This is the one where he says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's thinking less about yourself.
1: Yes, that one. And then Jody Moore um, from that same podcast says, confidence is not recognizing you're not great, but recognizing that your greatness comes from God. Remembering, again, that remember who the source of your greatness is and really when you are doing well and prospering if you are grateful in your prayers and your i think that's why we're reminded so often to do gratitude journals and mm-hmm. to say our prayers wouldn't start with gratitude because it's it a, helps us remember
0: helps us disrupt the pride cycle yeah and it helps us that stay we're in the all prosperity. going through i whenever i think of this i i have a, a colleague um that i really really admire uh, fabulous teacher, and he told the story years ago, and it's always stuck with me. He, he was finishing up a, a, a seminary year, and he had just been transferred to a different assignment, and as he's cleaning up his seminary room, his students had thrown him a party at the end of the day, and so he's cleaning up after the party, and he's thinking to himself, you know, I did a, I did a pretty good job here, and he said immediately he felt this humbling feeling come over him, and he buckled to his knees, and he heard um, a voice in his head, say to him, look on the desk there, whose scriptures are those that you were using this year? And he responded, well, those are your scriptures, Lord. And whose name is on the building that you were teaching? in? Well, that's your name, Lord. Um, And whose students are those really? Well, they're yours, Lord. And whose spirit is it that you used to help impress upon these minds the truth of the gospel? Well, it's your spirit, Lord. And he says, finally, in exasperation, I, I called out and said, do I get credit for anything? And the voice came, yes, you get credit for teaching my students my gospel using my scriptures in my building by my spirit. And he said that was a really humbling thing for him to realize that the success that he had attributed to himself came from God. Not to diminish the fact that he was a great tool in the hands of God and that great things happen, but to properly see that God was the source of the power, the source of the doctrine, the source of the great things that happen.
1: And I think instead of... that. You know, in some ways that could be a little bit constraining hmm. to someone who's feeling like, well, no, I want to get credit for some, like, like he's saying. But I think when you really give credit to God, he empowers you even more. And he gives you, it's a, a divine feeling, yeah. really.
0: The point that I thought of comes from a quote from James E. Faust, uh, a talk that I've been reading um, all day today, kind of on and off. Um, it's from 1976. I think it was his first talk that he gave as a general authority, as a member of the First Quorum of the Seventy. It's called A Personal Relationship with the Savior. And it's this really humble, as, as President Faust was, just this really humble down-to-earth talk where he gives um, some recommendations on how we can develop a, a consistent relationship with the Savior. But one of the things that he says in there that I really liked um, was this point. He counsels that we give a daily acknowledgement of God's divinity. And as I read that, I thought of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew that the Savior gives. The first line of the Lord's Prayer is, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The pattern the Savior set for us is at the beginning of your prayer to give God praise, to praise his divinity, to think about how great he is. And that's such a practical, but maybe little done thing, at least in my life. I don't know if I take time in my prayers or even take time in my thought to praise God, to think about how good he is on a daily basis. And if I were to do that on a daily basis, that's a humbling thing to realize that I'm in connection with this great, incredible God who allows me to talk to him, pray to him, and who through me does his work.
1: So not only are we recognizing God's, but I think as we the third one I thought of that is just being complimentary, recognizing other people's hmm. successes, having having joy in what hmm. you're seeing other people do.
0: So praise God. And then point three is pray, praise others.
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the first lessons I was taught in kind of a, I don't know what kind of a journey it was. Maybe it was just a journey for getting back to God or getting out of my pride cycle, maybe. Um, But I feel like one of the first lessons that God taught me was this, was the idea of abundance and that it's okay to know that there's enough room for everyone. It brings so much inner peace when you have that. And I have experienced that God can just give that to you. I prayed really hard for it and I've had to practice it in a lot of different ways and I'm by no means perfect at it, but that he can really give us that feeling that's true joy in what other people are doing. President Benson said, pride says, if you succeed, I am a failure. And I always say to my kids, maybe I got this from my mom, but you are not diminished when someone else is added upon. Every time I say it, I'm like, they don't know what diminished means, but, (laughs) (laughs) but hey, they're going to remember me saying that. And hopefully one day they know what it means. I just, I know that this is a way that we can help us flatten the tire, is that how you'd say it, Zach? And again, just
0: just another really practical thing to do, I can, it's almost as if these three points are things I can force myself to do when I'm not feeling especially humble. I can, number one, be grateful. I can make a grateful list, I can pray in gratitude, I can think of things I'm grateful for, I can just be grateful. Number two, I can praise God. I can think about or talk about how good he is. And number three, I can compliment others. I can think about how good they are and find joy in that. And those are three things that I think if we did consistently would flatten the tire. We would go from from prosperity to remembering and, and I think have a better life. To conclude, I'm, I'm on a C.S. Lewis kick, I guess, if, you, if you've if you listened to the last couple of episodes. So this is from his book, The Great Divorce, which if you want a recommended book, I give it 16 thumbs up. Um, that's a lot of thumbs. That's a lot, everybody's <laughs> thumbs. Um, but there's this wonderful scene. If you know the book, the story roughly is these spirits from hell are at the gates of heaven, and the gates are wide open. They're welcome to walk in, but each of these spirits has something that's holding them back from getting into heaven. Um, this particular spirit is an artist, and his artist friend meets him at the gates of heaven. So his friend comes from heaven and is trying to get his friend from hell to come in, come be a part of heaven. And so the spirit agrees. Okay, I'm going to go with you. And then he makes the statement. He said, there will be interesting people to meet, right? And his friend says, everyone is interesting. He says, oh yeah, sure, to be sure. I was thinking of people in our own line. Should I meet Claude or Cezanne or... Sooner or later, if they're here. But don't you know? Well, of course not. I've only been here a few years. All the chances are against my having run across them. There are a good many of us, you know. But surely in the case of distinguished people, you'd hear. But they aren't distinguished, no more than anyone else. Don't you understand? The glory flows into everyone and back from everyone, like light and mirrors. But the light's the thing. Do you mean there are no famous men? They are all famous. They are all known, remembered, and recognized by the only mind that can give a perfect judgment. I think the beauty of flattening the pride cycle tire and accumulating humility of remembering the Lord is that, that we can be filled with his light and then see that everyone else is filled with his light too. And in a world where everyone is filled with light, everyone experiences joy and I think that's the goal
1: I think so too and C.S. Lewis mic drop at the end with him (laughs) with that one Um, we're grateful you are here today listening Um, we would love you to follow along at the Scripture Study Project on Instagram and
0: Keep Sending us your study tips, we have quite the collection going, but we would love more. We love to, to mention those at the beginning of our and episode. we like using them ourselves. We like using it's them ourselves. kind of our
1: trick to just have more tips it's for cheater's our, way to study. Have a great week.